if you'll turn the machine on. Are we getting through? Is anything happening? I mean, will they? Will you turn the right knobs? I mean, we're on the air. Getting there. Oh, fine. Good. Any minute now. And welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Travis. I got my brother Quentin with me today. As always, this is our second episode in our deep dive into our love affair with down-tempo and chill-out music and trip-hop and and all those terms you may hear to describe this type of music. It's a love affair cue that goes back, I don't know, a decade plus? At least a decade. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, it has to have been... 2007-ish, maybe? 2008? Yeah. Yeah. We discovered it together. I think we've told this story before, but... um... I think the origins are kind of, um, you know, around college age. And this is when Pandora was kind of the thing that everybody, you know, it was kind of the gimmicky thing that, that music nerds liked to, to, to use to, to find new tunes. Cause like the whole concept of, uh, a radio station, right. An internet radio station, you push play on Quantic radio or something like that, or, you know, Radiohead radio and it would just play forever and just bring in songs from similar artists and whatnot right so and different too because like it wasn't just like satellite radio which i believe was pretty yeah uh accessible on the internet back then you know like satellite radio stations that you could just stream online it was a uh, truly like you pick the artist and we're just gonna lay on some jams indefinitely that's in the same vein you know, and we discovered so many great artists through Pandora. I don't think we give them enough credit, man. Yeah, it's funny because it is kind of a shame, right? Because once Spotify came out, or even like some of the Spotify predecessors, do you remember Mog? M-O-G? It was a, basically, it was just another audio player like Spotify, right? Okay. But like once those types of players came out, like I've only been focused on those because I'm always, you know, we've talked about this before. I got to hear the whole album from start to finish, right? Right. That I like to I like to to spend time with an, an artist or an album. And you with Pandora, that's not the point of it, right? So anyway, I yeah, you're right. Pandora was was fucking amazing, man. When it came out, it's still around, obviously. It's in your cars and shit, right? Brand new cars have Pandora uh, alongside um God, what is the name of the giant XM. You know, you got your XM or, or Sirius. And Sirius. Anyway, but yeah, that's I think where we where we first got into it because maybe it was Thievery Corporation or maybe it was Tosca. You know, we would spin up Tosca Radio and just discover a bunch of new artists that way. And I don't know, maybe Quantic was one of those. We may have also discovered Quantic. Now, hang on, Jeff. Who are we covering today? Because I don't think you mentioned it earlier. Okay. I've said the name <laughs> now a couple of times. But yeah, we're, we're talking about an English musician, DJ, record producer that goes by Quantic. His name is William Holland. That's his birth name. But he goes by Quantic. And um, he has a really interesting journey that he's gone on. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But we're going to focus primarily on his first record, The Fifth Exotic, which came out in 2001. The origin, I guess, not that anybody cares, Q. But I like to think back to like, how did we... Because we, how did we stumble upon this kind of music? Because we were raised, our dad listened to classic rock primarily. He listened to bands like Steely Dan, you know. Boston. Guitar heavy players like Jeff Beck. Peter Frampton. Peter Frampton. He would Definitely do not this stuff. Stuff like Sade, Gino Vanelli. If you want to hear us talk about those bands, we have a batch of episodes called Dad Tunes where we kind of dig into some of the stuff that we listen to. 
uh, that we were exposed to by our dad basically when we were growing up. But he certainly never played any, anything like this, right? So it must have been something like Pandora. And I was wondering, is it possible that we got into Thievery Corporation because of Garden State? I'm trying to trace the origins here, Q. Because what the Garden song State, was on Garden State? There's a couple of songs. Um, I think Air Baracuda was on there and a couple of other ones, I think. But it was a lot of Thievery Corporation and a lot of the shins. Like Zach Braff basically just like grabbed his iPod, you know, and that was like the soundtrack to to Garden State, right? It was a lot of his, like he he picked the tunes for the movie. Right. And there was a lot of Thievery Corporation and a lot of the shins. So it's possible that that we got into Thievery Corporation by just being interested in the Garden State soundtrack. And then it just kind of goes from there. Because like we were saying earlier with Pandora, all you need is one artist. You know what I mean? Pull up that radio station and then now you're exposed to the whole catalog, right? Or at least whatever was on Pandora. And from Thievery Corporation, you get bands like Tosca. You get bands like Quantic, Bonobo. Maybe Scalpel as well. Scalpel, yeah. Or... It was because of Elemental Chill, which we kind of were reminded of today. We're kind of digging into kind of our history, getting prepared for these batch, this batch of episodes because, um, like we said, it goes back quite quite a bit. And um, Q, you were digging around on your one of your old hard drives, right? And you were looking through stuff from our New Dust days, which was the music blog that we used to run that we've talked about a few times on this podcast. But um, I saved my entire old music folder from an old desktop computer that i had it's a treasure trove dude yeah so my music collection and then on top of that uh my new dust folder which was all the bands that we discovered while running that blog and you know all the artists that reached out to us i have like a bunch of old uh like press kits and stuff from bands yeah that's cool but my old music folder is i mean a good two-thirds of it is this this down tempo stuff um and that was you know a music folder i was i was building in the early 2000s you know around the the 2010s um and yeah dude there's this um four volume compilation record or i'm sorry compilation set that i have that i don't know how i stumbled upon it but it's from a label called crystal entertainment and these volumes, I guess, were all released around the same time, around 2002. And this is your straight up, like, bossa nova tinged, like, posh down tempo stuff. Very heavy on the jazz sampled kind of music. Honestly, a lot of it is not too interesting. It, it, this really is that Muzak mm-hmm. type of put this on in the background during a cocktail party kind of music. There's a lot of compilation albums like that out there there's so many of them chill this chill out that there's right. the oh yeah of dude. hundreds of, of thousands of them but what i thought was interesting i got to volume three today and so it's it's kind of cool each each one is a different uh element <laughs> elemental chill fire water earth and air and they all have a slightly different mood to them and on volume three right next to each other dude is Quantic, Time is the Enemy, which is the first song of his that we got into. Which is off of this record. Which is off of this record. And right below that, dude, is Rorksop, So Easy, which was the track that we introed in for our Rorksop episode just last week. Yeah, I mean, the fact that both of those artists are on, on that one compilation is pretty, that's a pretty safe safe bet to say that that's, that's how we discovered them. Well, and I, again, I don't think anyone cares, but here's what I'm thinking, dude. <laughs> I've got another theory too, Q. <laughs> but no, this is interesting because if, if you lived, if if you were around, you know, if you were a music fan like we were back back then, you probably remember this kind of stuff too, like like your Soma FMs. You remember Soma FM? Yeah, and then and then I was what I was gonna say is, dude, remember like uh, Soul Sir? What was it? Soul Seek? Yes, that's exactly what I was gonna say, dude. We have the same theory. <laughs> yeah, because dude. a lot of times you would try to find a song and it would come from a compilation album that it existed on. I'm almost positive now that I'm thinking about it, dude, that that has to be where. Right. Cause my question is how the hell did we find out about elemental chill? And here's here. Here it is, dude. I got it now. All right. <laughs> we heard a song on Pandora. Yeah. I tried to find more music from that 
artist by typing in the name of the artist yep. and the track name Makes into Soulseek or LimeWire or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I found this uh, Elemental Chill release because no, dude, you're right. especially with, with Soulseek, you could download discography at, you know, at a time yeah. you could download an entire discography from an artist in one go. So anyway, dude, that was like, you know, when you think of like the golden age of different eras, yeah, that's like the time that you look back on it fondly. Mm-hmm. I feel like early 2000s, I'm talking like early 2000s, dude, like middle school age for us and on. Yeah. Uh, that was the golden age of just feeling like you had every single song at your fingertips at any given time. And of course, now we're, we're decades into it. So that's just the norm. Yeah. But, you know, that was the wild, wild west, dude. I mean, it took a lot more work back then to illegally download something. We were breaking the law, dude. Yeah. Remember those commercials? Lars was knocking on our door and shit. Yeah. We didn't even mention Napster yet, but hello. Right. It's all under the same umbrella. So, um, you know, thank you for sticking with us while we tried to figure out how we first heard this record. That's the thing. Like, if you didn't hear it on the radio, then you probably discovered it in a similar way, either through a friend or through Pandora or through Soma FM. If you remember that, that was an old internet radio station. It's still around. The website looks exactly the same. There was a station that I used to listen to called Groove Salad. I remember that, dude. It's still Holy a thing, shit. dude. Hang on. I got to look it's up still a thing, FM, dude. man. I haven't even thought about that. The website forever. looks the exact same. If it looks exactly the same, I'm hoping for a good nostalgia boost. You're about to get one, dude. They have not changed their website in a decade. SomaFM.com. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. I used oh, to go to my God. I used to go to Groove Salad. That's the same image that it was back in the day. Where is it? Where is it? Is it on the Look top? at that. They actually have one called Groove Salad Classic, the classic early two thousands version of a nicely chilled plate of ambient down tempo beats and grooves. I'm so glad that you remembered about this all these years because I totally forgot about it. This is amazing, man. Amazing. So now that we figured that out, <laughs> let's let's talk about this artist here. So his name, like I said earlier, he goes by Quantic. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, um, this is one of those records that had a lot of, a lot of buzz around it when it came out in, in, in these circles. Um, a lot of people were, were, were impressed cause he was early twenties when he put this out, like 21 and it was very polished and well-produced and the way that he blended and, and continues to do that. Cause this is kind of his whole thing is, you know, his music features bits of soul, funk, jazz, bossa nova well and hip-hop beats dude hip-hop beats which is uh, you know kind of a down tempo a, a piece of, of down tempo right and trip hop uh, and further into his career as we'll get into he brings in elements of like salsa and and columbia music and, and stuff like that which is another really popular choice for down tempo artists especially in that elemental chill compilation dude there's a lot of that stuff man yeah there's that uh, there's that um long long standing compilation series i think it's called like cafe del mar or something like that or yep what is it it's, it's something like that right you're you're in the right ballpark it's, for so, sure. it's called it's something it's some sort of cafe but anyway i'm gonna read a quote here from this uh there's a magazine out there called exposed magazine it's a uk print magazine right but anyway, I stumbled upon this this um, this article that this guy wrote called "The Album That Changed My Life," Quantic, the Fifth Exotic, and I like the way that he described this particular person. He's like an editor, senior editor for this magazine, talking about how he was he was raised on uh, a lot of classical music, but his parents had like Sgt. Pepper's and Dark Side of the Moon. So there's a couple of pieces of rock in there but this guy was mostly exposed to you know classical music but his two sisters who are a little bit older than him got him into blur red hot chili peppers the Bee Gees, and then the other sister got him into radiohead bob dylan and quantic which is wow really cool right so anyway his sister got him into this record and it was the first time he had heard something like this, right? So this is probably a similar experience that we had when we first started hearing down tempo because we were raised, if you will, on similar types of music. Our dad used to listen to classical music too. Of course, we got a much wider range of exposure to um, 
to rock, right? Yeah, electronic music wasn't even something that I was interested in listening to at all no. before down tempo. I didn't understand it. Like, there's no real instruments here. What the hell? Yeah. But but as he says here, um, and I think I think the way he, he says it is that he um, lit up a joint. Thank you. Naturally. Before naturally. he pushed play for the first time. And he says here, Q, that it was then that I genuinely started seeing colors. The, <laughs> the depth of the reverb, the swirling delays, the dramatic use of panning, and the extraordinary variety in textures. We've talked about textures before. We talked about that with Rorikzab last week. Yep. He says it was a seamless journey into a whole new universe. Dude, that sums up how I felt about downtime, but like yeah. discovering it for the first time, like this is, wow, this is something that's been going on for quite a long time now. I, you know, it just was totally under my radar. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, we'll just put that out there for now, right? A pretty, that's a pretty nice picture that was just painted, right? So yeah, let's dive into the first track. Um, I got a lot to cover, unfortunately. I'm getting <laughs> hyped, dude, getting hyped. So we're, we're going to, like I said, we're going to play two or three songs off of this record. But I'm going to play some of his other music that he has done under the Quantic umbrella. So stay tuned for that. But let's just jump here into the first song. Um, this is actually the title track. So that intro that played us in bleeds right into this song. So I'm actually going to have the intro fade into this one because he, he, this is one of those records that kind of fades from track to track. And sometimes you got you to gotta hear that, right, to appreciate it. So I'm going to let... The introduction fade into the first track here that we're going to play. And this is, again, the title track. So this is The Fifth Exotic. If you'll turn the machine on. Are we getting through? Is anything happening? I mean... Turn the right knobs. I mean, we're on the air. That good? Oh, you say we're getting there? Oh, fine. Good. Any minute now. This kind of music to me always just feels like 
uh, score to a movie soundtrack. And I mean that in a good way. Like a heist movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is the this is what you'll hear on the Ocean's Eleven soundtrack or something right. like that, right? And I wanna I wanna go back to what I said before about how previously electronic music, quote unquote, was just not something I was interested in. Because like you said, growing up, it was pretty much only rock and roll, right? So a four piece band, each one playing an instrument, a singer. Yeah. Actual, you know, I didn't appreciate an artist, like a solo one person band that created everything on their computer and and created loops and samples to make music. I didn't appreciate that. But you know what's interesting is like watching MTV when we did, which was before we got into down tempo, we heard stuff like, you know, Fatboy Slim and Moby. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think of other really well-known mainstream, probably Dat Punk. I'm sure we heard some Dat Punk. So it's not like that we weren't. It's not like we weren't exposed to it. But down tempo feels like it's in a whole nother, a whole. It's under a whole nother umbrella, right? Like down tempo is mostly like we were saying, jazz and soul, and like funk based. Well, I think you mentioned this last week. You're not necessarily going to hear this stuff. You know, it's not. It, they're not club bangers, right? Yeah, and this kind of stuff never made it to MTV. That's why we probably in our head electronic music was you know, I liked dude, who did who doesn't like Fatboy Slim? You know what I mean? Right. Those those songs that you heard when if you know, if you turned into TRL on on the right week or whatever. I always think back to that music video with Christopher Walken dancing. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, so it's not like we had never heard electronic music and this was a whole new thing to us, but this style of it, I think, was. And that's what I, I think made us so interested in it because it was just so different, you know? Yeah, and it, it's like breathing new life into old jazz records and old, yeah. um, you know, like the bossa nova stuff, like I was saying, right. which can be super cheesy if it's not done right. Quantic does it really well. And, you know, that's another genre that you and I were exposed to at a young age, jazz. Yeah, that's true. So this gave us a new reason to really appreciate jazz music. It was like listening to jazz music, but like somehow it felt like cooler, you know? Yeah, dude. Not that jazz isn't fucking cool. And that was back when we were walking around <laughs> that outdoor uh, shopping mall with our freaking pipes and our cigars. We used to smoke pipe tobacco like a couple <laughs> of losers. Early 20s, dude. We thought we were hot shit. How dumb we must have looked. I, I felt sophisticated, dude. You know, we're listening to down tempo. You remember the perfect thing happened, dude? One of the times that we were walking around this, you know, high class um, shopping area outside. For those that live in the Dallas area, it was the Shops at Legacy. Shops right? at Legacy. Okay. Very for posh. For the one person who knows what we're talking about. <laughs> There's a lot of people that live in Dallas, dude. Uh, true. Anyway. We used to go there and, and we we just walk around and, and smoke pipe tobacco. But some of the shops had outdoor speakers and one of them was playing Tosca mm -hmm. as we were walking by with our pipes, dude. We were like, this is the universe trying to tell us something. Yeah, that was the most important thing that had happened to us in the last <laughs> 10 years, dude. Yeah, because Tosca was one of those down-tempo bands that we were into at the time. Anyway, <laughs> so if you have pipe tobacco and you... We're not recommending that you do that. I am 100% against it nowadays. We're not here to tell you how to live your life. We wouldn't do it. But I'm, what I'm saying is like, hey, if you want to light up a pipe right now, I think this is good music to listen to with a pipe tobacco. I, dude, it's great music for this, man. Exactly. We're not saying you should do that. We're not saying that at all. Don't do that. No. But, but if, if you, you wanted, wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> this is maybe the time to do it. So let's talk about uh, the man behind Quantic here. So- uh, like I said, his name is Will Holland. He is from the UK. What's interesting about him is that his he's a, he's a, a a guitar player, or at least he was. He learned how to play guitar. He comes from kind of a musical background, and that plays a key role into how he makes music now versus how he did it with this first record. With the first record, it was made in his bedroom by himself, sampling old records like a lot of down tempo artists do, right? He wanted to incorporate more live music 
as he went out throughout his th- the rest of his career. So like, I'm going to play a- actually a couple of tracks later in the episode that demonstrate some of the co- really cool, great, amazing stuff that he does. That happened with Bonobo too, right? It wasn't a, and also uh, Tycho. They they start to incorporate live instruments into the and, music. Yes, and ta- I, you know what? The funny thing is, it makes total sense that a down tempo artist's first record is going to be made in the bedroom. Perhaps you don't have the money to pay live musicians to come to the studio, yeah. but it makes sense that like the more you evolve, it's like you you want to make it feel more real. You know, what I mean, you're probably tired of sampling. Like you know what you hear in your head as far as the music you want to hear on your record. Yeah, it gives you more control. Yeah, exactly. All right, so here, this is from an interview here that he did with the um, the At Florida Music blog, uh, talking about uh, sort of his influence and stuff when he was younger. He says, In my early teens, I developed my own tastes and whisked through an extended period of heavy metal to heavy rock to grunge to punk to trip-hop, jungle, hip-hop, and sampled beats. So that was kind of his trajectory, I guess. At 16, my mother helped me enroll in a local course for sound engineering at a nearby college, and from there I began producing beats. My father was a lecturer there of mechanical engineering and also was a computer programmer on the side. He taught me to use simple programs to loop and sample, make synth sounds, and generally experiment. This was a new time for digital music, and sampling was something that really attracted me. That's really cool, man. So he had like the perfect you know, the perfect environment, it sounds like. Well, yeah, it sounds like his both of his parents were supportive of it. His mom was the one who enrolled him in that sound engineering class. He was just 16 years old. That's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, five years later, he puts this record out. So anyway, um, it sounds also from like what are some other interviews I read, he talks about how his dad used to play like the banjo and like would play like these folk guitar type things and taught him how to play guitar and stuff like that. So it's interesting that like he is very much, you know, a trained musician as well. And in the sense that he like he he actually plays a bunch of, of different instruments. He he plays um guitar, bass, double bass, piano, organ, saxophone, accordion, percussion. So he is a bona fide musician, right? So it's interesting that when he first got into it, probably because like he was saying, this was kind of a novel thing of the time, like sampling and digital music production and stuff like that, that he went that direction in the beginning. But then, like, eventually, like, just, like, the the desire to make make all of the music, right? All of the instruments that you hear and stuff like that is what he eventually went toward, right? But anyway, that's his background is more, you know, like I said, classically trained. His dad used to play the banjo. He taught him how to play guitar. Yada, yada. All right, Q. Let's play another tune here. Let's do it. So I'm trying to paint the picture. That's what I like to do. You're really good at it. You got to know who this guy is so you can truly appreciate this music and then the music he later makes. But we're going to play the next track here. This song is called Life in the Rain. Thank you. 
song, dude. Just the perfect marriage of old school jazz and hip hop, dude, with those beats and that that bass, man. Yeah, and speaking of old school jazz, that is Take Time by Dave Brubeck oh. sampled in for the, the, the drums and stuff when it comes in. Amazing. And the bass, that's like standing bass line. So, right? Yeah, that upright bass, so cool. Perfect, dude. Because that's, that's one of the most iconic jazz records of all time. Yeah, dude. And uh, he uses it so perfectly. Like, it's 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 perfect, right? But anyway, that moment right there when it all kind of comes together, that's, that is why, those moments are why you listen to Down Tempo. We mentioned that last week, too, with Rorksop. Yeah. I mean, that's why you listen, because... Like, I know that part's coming up. Like, when I hit play on this track, I'm like, I can't wait till this part. I mean, that happens with all... It's not just down-tempo. Like, if you're a fan of, of heavy metal and you're like, I can't wait till the fucking guitar solo. You know what I mean? There's moments like that in every type of music. But I'm saying, that's that moment in, in down-tempo is when all the, the layer building and stuff that happens and then it just kind of pays off right there. And I've actually... I've got another clip from the song because this is actually the longest track on the record. Uh, but I wanted to play this little um, thing that happens right after that part. So I'm going to fade it back in. Uh, so here you go. This is the uh, second clip from Life in the Rain. Yeah, so I really like that guitar, little guitar solo, right? Yeah, so was that him? Yeah, that was him. That, okay. That's the point I wanted to make was that, like, that wasn't a sample. He did sample Dave Brubeck, uh, Take Time, in this song. But the guitar, because that's part of his background, that's actually him. Um, and he actually has a few musicians that, that did appear, uh, which is really cool. His uh, One of his sisters actually provides a saxophone on one of the tracks. Cool. And um, he has, yeah, there's somebody that, that contributes a Rhodes track on, on uh, Life in the Rain, which is this song, actually. So there's a Rhodes and uh, the guitar solo were actual live instruments. Really well executed, dude. Like, he, he really knows what he's doing. And like you said, he was, what, 21 when this came out? Right. Really well produced. Yeah. And that's kind of what made it stand out. And, you know, the funny thing is everybody pointed to like, wow, he's only 21. Like, it sounds so great. Well, that's because he went to, he took a course on audio engineering. You know what I mean? Like he was trained in it at that, you know, before that's uh, part of his, his trade, right? Like, right. He could have gone on to, to, to produce records as, as his living for his living. Right. Yeah. But anyway, man, I was thinking while, while we were listening to that, that song just begs to have a rapper, like spit some rhymes over it, dude. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of, it, they really let, he lets it build up quite a bit. And it's very heavy on the um, the drum beat, you know. It just kind of, you know, and that's another thing with down tempo. It can it has a lot of repetition, but it's just a blast to listen to, man. Yeah, I love it. It yeah, and that's the thing. Like you heard the you heard the um, like the vocal sample, right? He does that quite a bit, and you'll hear it in the next track uh, that I play. But I I tend to not like that anymore when I when I. If I'm in a phase where I'm looking for new down tempo or new chill kind of music, I shy away from songs that sample in old clips from movies or something like that. You know what I mean? It's been I overdone. Like it's uh, been overdone. Yeah. Over the last few decades. Yeah. It's it, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I, I'm with you, dude. Like if they, if I hear another like space exploration kind of like a voiceover or like a nature documentary, David Attenborough or something, you know, that, in every any bedroom 
artist who's who's making electronic music right now. That's what you do. But the funny thing is, that's exactly who Quantic was when in 2001. He was in his bedroom make, putting this record together. But he does it like sparingly. And it was also in 2001. I don't know how prevalent it was back then. But if people, if you're still doing it now, like I'm for some reason, like I got my fill back, you know, 20 years, 20 fucking years ago, dude. I think it can be done right. Yeah. I like when, when an artist will use those vocals and not chop it up to where you can't understand what they're saying, but, but repurpose them in a way. Like we mentioned last week with Workshop, that song, A Higher Place. Yeah. I really appreciate that kind of stuff. Let's take a quick break. All right, Q, I got one more track from this record, and I got a couple more tracks to play from him after this one. Like you were saying, Q, Time is the Enemy is the song that got you into down tempo. Without a doubt. Okay. And this is also the song... Ain't no doubt in my mind. (laughs) That was on... uh, Elemental Chill. Volume three. So this might have been the one that he that he lent out to all of these Dime a dozen record labels. Compilation records out there. Yeah. Who knows? But it does it does it I mean shit, dude. This probably proves it right here. <laughs> it has thirty five million plays uh on Spotify compared to four million is the next highest one on this record. So yeah. If you push play on any compilation album that 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 features Time is the Enemy. You know, it adds to the play count on this record, right? It's such an amazing song, dude. Everything about it is flawless, and it's a perfect example. It like it's a it a it, it's a quintessential down tempo song, right? Absolutely. Not that "Life in the Rain" or "The Fifth Exotic," the other two songs we played, aren't, but I think this one for some reason like hits all the right notes and stuff, right? All right, so here we go. This song is called "Time Is the Enemy." notes dude like you said it's got it all and i would say of, of the other tracks that we played this is the closest to rourke sop as far as like a softer good call with the piano you know and the nice echo and stuff yeah the reverb um yeah the reverb the delay on the piano and the guitar thing and right right before you faded out it had that moment where pretty much all the instruments and the and the drum beat all gets taken away yeah and it all comes back in it all comes back yeah and we've talked about that before with the Tosca episode, it was really the first episode, and that was an early, early. Forever ago, dude. Yeah. And I think we talked about 
that exact thing where like one of the things that we like about down tempo is the layer building. We've talked about it, I think on this episode too, but like it's, it's always about like taking away an instrument and then bringing it back later and changing it up slightly when you bring it back. And it's very, very repetitive. You know what I mean? Most of these songs are very repetitive, but for some reason it, it works, you know, because it's all about, taking away layers and, and, and doing things differently to, to it or, or stopping everything and bringing it all back and stuff like that. It's always very subtle. Yeah. Uh, so this song in particular, he sampled three tracks, or at least on whosampled.com, um, three tracks have been, have been um, I guess, uh, you know, because whosampled.com is purely user-driven. So this is what people have at least submitted for what they hear as samples from the song. There's a Rare Earth song called Get Ready, a Tony Newman song called Soul Thing, and a Lena Horne song called And I Love Him. So that's sampling from jazz, rock, and funk and disco. So there you go. And that's another thing. I, I think in order to be a successful down-tempo musician, you have to be in love with crate digging at record stores. Yeah. You've got to be really well-rounded with, with the kind of music you listen to. And that's one of the things that um, that this guy, Will Holland, like makes a point to do when he goes to different cities when he's touring and stuff like that. He'll, he'll jump into record stores. and look, Now, he's a world traveler, right? And look for records from that area. So, like, when he's in, for example, when he, when he was in Colombia, he had a reason to be in Colombia, probably on tour. Or I think he was uh, maybe hanging out with a friend or something like that. But uh, I'm, I'm telling this story for, for a very... Good reason here, but let me let me actually pull up a clip uh, from an interview where he is talking about how he fell in love with these um, with these records from Colombia. Art of recording, I think, is such a beautiful form because it's transporting. It can uh, allow you a window into a world which maybe is is not even there anymore. What happened in Colombia is that the jukeboxes were. Um, 78 bass jukeboxes instead of 45. So it, this was like the principal medium for, for listening to music in, in clubs and social kind of environments. So they pressed like up until the late 70s a lot of records. And th this is a heavy thing. This is um, Rufu Garido, who's a costeño um, musician. He recorded for uh, Coro Fuentes a lot, but uh, this is called Inspiración Sabanera. Um, I don't have a 78 recorder, so I'll do it with my finger. Consider that, like at uh, that time, like uh, like vinyl real estate was quite kind of hard to come by, and they uh, the fact they devoted like a whole side just to the band, just getting just doing their thing, just like yeah, just very expressive like clarinet, and like, yeah, it's like hard to find records that like that. But. That's cool, dude. So yeah, he he spent some time in Colombia basically, and and fell in love with this particular record label called Disco Fuentes that was like. Uh, like he was kind of saying there, like um, pressing a lot of records for these jukeboxes that would show up everywhere, and it would have these like full, full on like jazz ensembles that would do this like. And uh, what did he say? Like uh, vinyl realistic, sound realistic, or something, which was something hard to come by back then, as far as like the the quality of the recording. Yeah, and that's something that he latched onto was the 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 quality of the production and the recording and stuff like that. Yeah, so he could he could pull from those and use them as samples. Well, that's the thing, though, Q. He says here, uh, For a while, I was always looking for these old Cumbia records, and I really idolized these musicians that I found on the back of the jackets. The standard and quality musicianship of record production in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, I guess it, it was the peak for the microphones, the disc cutting, or even the piano tuners. And then in Colombia, I got to meet a lot of those musicians. We were hanging out, recording together, and became friends. Through that experience, I ended up thinking, actually, that they were a lot like us. They were young, hanging out, cutting some records, just like we are doing. It was this moment that I realized we all just have to be creative and do our best and make as much music as we can and collaborate and be creative. I love that, dude. What an aha moment. You don't think about that stuff when you listen to music from way back then. 
and what it what it reminded me of the the way I, that he he talks about this is that he kind of like we talked about with Kings of Convenience, their reason for wanting to make that kind of music is that he just wanted to hear it again because nobody makes it. So anyway, long story short, uh, he he's formed a an ensemble called Quantic and his Combo Barbero. But before that, he he produced records under this other name called Quantic Soul Orchestra. So this has been like a long thing that he's been doing. So basically, remember how I told you that he had his sister would play the saxophone on some of these tracks? Right. When he first started Quantic Soul Orchestra, he would just pull in, you know, again, like friends, family members that knew how to play instruments. But the point was, none of it was sampled, right? So I'm going to play one track from their second record from Quantic Soul Orchestra. And this song... It, it, this is interesting, right? This is what makes Quantic stand out, is that he is kind of like I was saying earlier, like a full, full-blown musician, and he steps away from his like Quantic name, even though it's typically part of the, the names of his other side projects. But like he steps away from the down tempo type stuff and just makes real music with real musicians that a lot of times have a down tempo like backbone to them. You know what I mean? Like they sound like they could be a song that would be sampled by a down-tempo artist or the backbone of a down-tempo song. Anyway, let's play a song here. This is off of uh, the Quantic Soul Orchestra, which is, again, a, one of his side projects. This record is called Pushing On, and this song is called West Pier Get Down. about that dude yeah it's great man what i like about quantics like his approach to music is you know a lot of down tempo artists would if they had that song on their head they would maybe try to go find samples where they could samples from old jazz records or something like that where they could take it and, and make it kind of sound like that right he just said fuck it i just go, i just want to make music like this and he went out and did it right well and genius move on his part dude because Anytime he wants to go back and just make some sample-based music, he has all of these dope recordings of instruments that, that are isolated that he recorded in his studio with these badass musicians. He could just use all of this recordings to make music from now on. <laughs> yeah, or if he wants if he wants a saxophone player, he just calls up the guy that appeared on this record, right? So for this song in particular, he credits the uh, saxophone and trumpet Saxophone was somebody named Tracy Waname, and the trumpet was Todd Simon. Todd Simon is actually credited for writing the song as well. So there you go. Nice. Because it's a very trumpet-heavy song, right? Anyway, so like I was saying earlier, I wanted to play that first because like that kind of shows that he was he was already doing this kind of thing. But then when he went to Columbia and fell in love with those old records, and met and talked with a bunch of these record th- these musicians that showed up on those old records he decided to to form another band, like I was saying earlier, the Quantic and his Combo Barbero, and they put out a record that is amazing. 
and it's called Tradition in Transition. This will be our last track today. I think it should be noted here, dude. This came out in 2009. That's a while ago. 2009. Yeah. One thing about him, he's just so prolific. He is one of the, like, they kind of call him, like, the busiest, most hard hardworking musician in that particular genre of, of musicians, right? If you look at his his discography, uh, like, he just collaborates with a bunch of people. He, he works with this um, female vocalist named Alice Russell, who apparently has lended her vocals to a bunch of down-tempo artists. Nice. Um, anyway, and then if you look at his singles and EPs, like it just just it scrolls for days. <laughs> days. He's put out six tracks already this year, Damn. six singles, right? Um, so he's just always making music. Anyway, so let's play one last track here. And again, so the story here is that he went to Columbia, fell in love with these old jazz records, and wanted to make music like this again. And so he did. So this song is called Mas Pan. More bread. More bread. Is that what that is? Pawn is bread? Yeah, dude. Come on now. Okay, all right. You know I what? thought you were from Texas, brother. I am. Wow. Absolute favorite flavor of funk and soul. Yeah. Love it. I gotta, I'm gotta. i definitely going to dive into that album. I haven't listened to that. Of course, the whole album is great, right? But yeah, basically, uh, I'm going to read the write-up here from the record label's website. It says, um, basically, uh, this record sees Will Quanticoland, that's what they call him, <laughs> mining the lesser-tapped musical sources from the Caribbean Latin America and Africa, and fusing those rediscovered psychedelic, experimental, and rhythmically rich sounds of the past with deep funk and soul elements and folkloric vocal styles. Awesome. So what's cool about that to me is that, like, as a like I was saying, as a down tempo musician, like you're always fusing these types of sounds together, right? I think it's just really cool that Will just said, "Fuck it, let me just get some people together and." And start making this music again, you know. There's no reason why this kind of, kind of music can't still exist and still sound amazing, you know what I mean? And uh, that's what makes him kind of stand out. Yeah, and that shows, too, how just how great of a musician he is. Yeah. And dude, let me just circle back, bring it all back home, dude. I just don't think I was mature enough to appreciate the musicianship that goes into 
being an electronic artist that heavily samples music. And these artists, like we mentioned as well, Tycho has, has done this as well over the years, Bonobo, bringing in live musicians and, you know, with, with William Holland, it just proves just how, how much talent is coursing through their veins, dude. Like, it's just something I didn't think about and appreciate when I was younger. And that's why I didn't gravitate towards this music until I was a little bit older. Yeah, I mean, you have to be, you're kind of a, a composer, a producer. You're, you're constantly digging for, for the sound that you're looking for when you're digging through old records and stuff. He's hearing old jazz, old blues, old, uh, you know, old Columbia records and stuff like that. Like you're getting exposed, at least if if you approach it the way that he did, you're getting exposed to all this, this rich, like history of music. Like you're going to be well-versed in, in music in order to be a successful down-tempo musician, because you're always looking for all these, how do all these pieces fit together? You know what I mean? And like, Quantic is is an example of somebody who really really excels at that and like so much so that he can put together and and write music with a full band. Well, awesome dude. What a great great way to dive into this down tempo stint. I mean, I feel like we, you know, Rook's up was just a little taste, like just to kind of ease you in. Now we're like full-blown jazzy down tempo. We're in it now, dude. What what are we doing next week? Uh, next week is going to be Thievery Corporation. And you're going to be steering that ship too, man. I had never really got into them totally down to steer because this 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 album is great. And I will say, if like I mentioned earlier, if you're familiar with the Garden State soundtrack, you will be familiar with some of these songs. But yeah, this is another one of those just like classic, iconic down tempo records that I think got a lot of attention and exposure from from that movie. I think. Um, you know, he he kind of um, introduced Garden State was the first time I heard this music, but um, but anyway, that soundtrack introduced some good music to a lot of people. That was a really popular soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, same goes for the Shins, dude. A lot of people that was their first, that was like their introduction to new slang was Garden State. And you want to talk about the perfect scene, dude? I know, dude. For a band to be introduced to the world with right yeah she puts her headphones on and just says you listen to the song it's going to change your life exactly <laughs> this manic pixie dream girl that's like the trope that that yeah. character was yeah dude is like let me let me take you into this whole new world here zach braff what a perfect song man for that scene yeah man. anyway um thievery corporation songs were used in in more of the um artistic scenes like when he's standing in front of the wallpaper and his shirt matches the wallpaper Oh yeah, that's the Thievery Corporation song is is playing in the background during that scene. I believe when he's at the restaurant serving tables, contemplating how he screwed up his life, basically or whatever. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's next week. We're going to talk about the Mirror Conspiracy by Thievery Corporation. That is another example of, I think Thievery Corporation has always collaborated with musicians. Uh, I think it's a duo. A lot of times, electronic artists come in pairs, like Rorksop, like Daft Punk. Tosca. The Recorporate Tosca, exactly. Uh, Underworld, which we'll be talking about at some point. But yeah, that's kind of interesting to me. There's a lot of, uh, there must be a reason for that. Um, a really obvious reason that we don't know, but it probably just makes it easier. Yeah, dude, you gotta have two minds at least. Just like us, dude. Two minds. <laughs> yeah. But that's next week. Um, hopefully you, you enjoy this as much as we do. Um, I hope that some of you are out there like this guy that I talked about earlier in the beginning of the episode who had never been exposed to this kind of stuff before and it changed his life. I'm hoping there's at least one listener out there who has never really given down tempo a fair shake and we can bring you on, on board with us. Yeah. I hope we can do for you what Zach Braff did for so many people with the garden state soundtrack. Well, there you go. I feel like we walked down memory lane quite a bit today, man. SomaFM.com. Man, that brought me back, dude. Thank I just love that. that they didn't change it, man. I love it when websites do that. I totally forgot about this, man. I'm going to pull up Groove Salad tomorrow. Dude, let's do an outro song and just click on Groove Salad. It's going to be whatever it is that's playing when I piece this episode together. That's what I'm going to do, dude. 
Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the audio from my my sound card on my computer, and we're just gonna outro out with whatever is playing on Groove Salad, the internet radio station from Soma FM. That's gonna be our outro, dude. It's gonna be perfect. All right, Q. So that's next week. We'll do Thievery Corporation as we continue our journey through some of the down tempo that you and I fell in love with oh so many years ago. And then, dude, we're gonna wrap it all up. I think we already talked about this, but um, after our What You Heard, which will be in a few weeks, we're going to do a down-tempo What You Heard. It's not really a What You Heard. It's more of a down-tempo mixtape that's going to be a similar format to What You Heard. But basically, there's 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 too many tracks and artists that we love. to We could spend the next year doing down-tempo stuff. So we thought it'd be fun to do, you know, we each bring five other down-tempo tracks just from our wide collection and experience listening to this type of music over the last decade, that's going to be a dope episode, man. Yeah, we'll spare you all an entire year's worth of yeah of this kind of music and just play a bunch of good music, uh, good down-tempo music all in one episode just to wrap it up in a few weeks. Yeah, so we got three or four more episodes devoted to this kind of stuff, and then we'll be right back to rock and roll. Some 80s rock alternative is what we have in, in mind. So don't worry. Sit tight. If you hate this kind of stuff, we'll be back to our regular genres and, and wheelhouse very, very soon. All right, Q. Um, where can they find us? Oh, you're passing it on to me today. I'm, dude, I'm always sitting here just hoping that you go through and, and, and say the outro. You no, know, dude, sometimes you got you to gotta, you gotta, you know, you be uncomfortable. I guess I'll do it. You know? I guess I'll do it. Well, you can find us on Twitter, Travis. At No Filler Podcast, uh, reach out to us on Twitter. Send us a message on there. Uh, give us some music su- suggestions. We are always looking for more tunes, new tunes, new bands to listen to. Uh, if we like what we hear from your suggestion, we are. That's how we are planning on hopefully finishing up all of our What You Heard episodes with an outro handpicked by a listener. Uh, and that goes for our down tempo mixtape episode that's coming up. If you've got a down tempo artist that you absolutely love or a song in particular, send us a suggestion and maybe we'll outro that episode with uh, your song. So yeah, reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, always looking to start musical conversations with our listeners. So you can find us there at No Filler Podcast. We are also part of the Pantheon podcast network that is the podcast for music lovers got maybe even hundreds by now dude i don't know how many shows we've got but we're we're nearing a hundred shows dozens in the network dozens quite a few dozens lots of great music centered shows in the network proud to be a part of the family you can find us at pantheonpodcasts.com and as always we would like to thank akg for supporting the show and yeah, next week we'll be coming at you with some Thievery Corporation. And we're going to fade us out. I'm just going to fade us into some Groove Salad on Soma FM. Some internet radio for you. That's going to outro us out. I hope it's good. I'm, dude, I'm not even going to, like, I'm not going to just pretend like it's spontaneous. I'm for real going to just press record and just whatever's playing, that's going to be our outro. So make sure you hit Groove Salad Classic because that is from. That, that is what you and I would have listened to. I wonder if it's, my guess is it's the same playlist from back then, which is hilarious and amazing at the same time. So yeah, mystery down-tempo track from Groove Salad on Soma FM is going to play us out. And yeah, we, we will be shouting at you next week. Thank you, as always, for listening. My name's Quentin. My name is Travis. Y'all take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 